Hallelujah. It's good to see you at the chapel this morning. Hallelujah. Mm, Praise God. It is good to see you here this morning. Remember, following the service, we'll have a senior young adult lunch. We're going to go to the... A flips restaurant, and some of the young adults are going to legally crash the party. So, seniors, get ready. As our church knows, even though the seniors are maybe a little bit mature, more mature in age, they can still be ornery. So, we're going to have a good time together. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. You know, I, I love seeing you, and, and a lot of times we don't see each other during the week. It just because our lives are going different directions sometimes. But it is good to see all of you. And today, uh, a friend of mine came, and her name is Sophie. And Sophie and Christy are over here. Some of you know Christy Beers. She's the young lady that came up and went to Honduras, and, and she's a, a spiritual daughter. I'm claiming her as mine. And uh, Christy and Sophie both worked at a coffee shop in Hearst, uh, Babylon Coffee. If you're over in that area, I encourage you to go there. They're, it's Christian-owned and good people. But Sophie and uh, Christy uh kept me entertained during the, some of the sermons that I studied over there, and I, I'm a people watcher. Anybody a people watcher? Sometimes if if uh, life gets a little boring, I'll just go, honestly, to the mall, and I'll just watch people, because people are fun to watch. I was talking to Daryl, and Daryl says, I like to watch people. Now, that's pretty. That's pretty strange sometimes for me and him to think that well, maybe we need to hang out sometime and just go watch people. You know, some people call that creepy. But anyway, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> but it's good to have Sophie here today. This morning, I'm going to, again, preach a message from the Word of God. And we know that the Word of God changes our thinking, which really changes our life. You know that words change our thinking words. Uh, Be careful not to feed constantly on negative. And and what I mean by that is, my goodness, you can watch the news so much. And, and, you know, they they proved, they tried to do newscasts with just positive news, and, and it couldn't make it. There's something about negative that sells. And, you know, scary news, and the world's good. Don't, don't, Feed yourself constantly on that. I don't, I don't care if it's CNN, Fox News, ABC. I, I don't care. CBS, whatever it is, be careful. Now, the words, if, if they'll change you, think about the Word of God and how powerful an impact that it can have on you if you allow it. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's good and perfect and pleasing will. Let me just go through it quickly so that you can, again, remember that when the Word of God begins to transform you, it transforms your mind. And sometimes you know by asking the question, who you've been listening to, because it's coming out of the the mouth. 
If you just talk fear, chances are you've been listening to words of fear. When God's word begins to transform us, it transforms our thinking. It changes our thinking. And then it changes our emotions so that we're not just emotionally driven just because of all the negative that's going on. When our emotions change, all of a sudden our choices begin to change. We're not determining how we feel. We're based, and we're people based on the word of God that we walk, we don't even have to see it to believe it. Well, Pastor, I like, how many people have seen physically Jesus? But we believe that he was the Messiah, died on the cross for us. So we begin to not allow our emotions or what we go on just by what we feel. And when that happens, all of a sudden our choices change. And a lot of times we have to determine the choices we make today will determine where we are tomorrow. So when our choices begin to change, and this is something that doesn't happen overnight. And just because we make one choice, we're talking about a system of choices then all of a sudden our habits change, our character changes, and then our destiny changes. And we, we begin to walk in a new identity. We begin to see the things that the Word of God says in a different light. We don't just know it, but we not only know it, but we do the things. We're doers of the Word of God. You know, we just got out of a series, and, and it, it was inviting God into our difficulties. And a lot of times we pray, God, when we're going through the difficulties of life, um, and just anything of difficulty, we pray that God gets us out of the difficulty. But the series that we looked at the Word of God is inviting God into the difficulties. During the times that we're going through those tough times in our life that we say, God, come with us. Because I know that even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I can fear no evil because God, you said, Pastor John just did, no, 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 I got it in Psalms 23 that you said that that I can fear no evil because you're going to go with me through. All of a sudden, you begin to see how that test of life begins to work on you. And and the day will come when you'll come out of that difficulty. Can I get an amen from somebody that has a little experience in this? You'll come out... And then you'll come out with something that's valuable, and it's called a testimony. Now, here, here's where we got to wake up. Some of us have a testimony that we've never been sharing with anybody. I, I, I knew one time a lady that had been really abandoned by her husband, and she raised children, and then she got to be a mature. She never shared that with other single ladies. I thought, man, come on, you got an incredible testimony. Now, before I get into this next series, listen, the, the, the seed, remember the parable of the sower? The, the seed that was planted that had no root, when the sun came up, it scorched it. And no root, no fruit. So going through difficulties is building the believer, ready, into a warrior. Now, a lot of times we think of a warrior as, you know, maybe this Viking or a, you know, ninja or something, you know. I got a nice. Can I get an amen to the nice? All right. 
I've been practicing my ninja. I don't know why I go on one leg. I think Karate Kid. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to change hands right there. What makes someone a warrior? In the, the series I want you to look at is the building of a warrior. In, in building that testimony, it, here's a definition of a warrior. A person engaged or experienced in warfare, broadly a person engaged in some struggle or some conflict. Now, here's the definition I got on the internet. What makes someone a warrior? A warrior is generally they associate them with two kinds of courage, the ability to fight and protect themselves and others, or number two, this is one I want to focus on, setting goals and developing the strength and skills to accomplish them. I'll say it again if you're taking notes and I went too fast. <laughs> hey, I can wish. Here it is, setting goals and developing the strength and skills to accomplish them, accomplishing the goals. Now, again, as I said, the Word of God changes our thinking, and a lot of times it's not on what we know, it's what we know and do that's going to change us. It's setting those goals, setting those things of God, listen, setting those things of God in our life and then having the strength and developing them to accomplish it. As I've said it this way so many times, is a lot of times you'll see a person that's been in church for 10 years, and they're kind of... I got this thing called Christianity, and I go, no, no. You got one year experience for 10 years in a row. You're, you're pulling up short every time that there's a test come into your life, a difficulty, and you act like a non-believer. Now, again, no judgment here because John Miller has that T-shirt. I know how that works, and I fight against that. It is wading in and developing a strength that's going further than you did last time. The thing is, a lot of us don't realize is the further we go, the harder it gets. Sometimes the quiet little old lady in the back looks like she doesn't know any. Let me tell you, she knows a lot. Because she's been through the fire and she's developed. that There's a warrior-ess mentality inside of her that you can't talk her out of the things of God. When you get ready to move into more of God in the mindset, it's a whole different mindset from moving from Jesus is more than just my Savior and to keep me out of hell to Jesus is my Lord and he tells me and guides me in all truth. It's a whole different maturity level. Instead of falling back on yourself, in your lordship of your life. Again, sometimes being transformed, it's more than just finding out our purpose, but it's the will of God, the direction that he has for us to go. It's all different. So listen to this. Just not our purpose, but our destiny, his will. And so in the month of August, we're going to go through this. And I want you to begin to look at things because I know that the Holy Spirit will take what I say and he'll customize it for your life. You believe that, right? So at the end of this, you'll be like, man, I tell you what I took away from that series is this right here. Now somebody might say, were you at the chapel? 
Because all I saw was so-and-so there that day and -and so-and-so because they were not focused on God doing something in their life. So I want to encourage you today to do that. Focus on what God wants to do in your life. Let me tell you, this this first sermon, I I, I begin to think the development of a warrior or a warrioress, in that kind of person, a believer first, it hinges on one word. And it is a word that is harder for some of us uh, to believe and to do than actually believing for a miracle to take place in our life. And, and really, after this first word, then there's a second word. And, and if you're taking notes, and if you, if you want to just begin to mentally hinge this series on this first word, and it's called obedience. Now listen, listen to me. With all the love that I got for you, just dump a big bucket of love on you, you know, whatever, whatever that means. But I say it with... The preface of saying this, that the older I get, the harder it is for me to be obedient. Because there's a sense of losing control when somebody tells you something, you go, yes, sir. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit speaking to us, if we continually say, well, let me take that into consideration and I'll get back with you, Holy Spirit. There isn't a development. And then we get to the place that we're not developing those strengths and those skills to walk through the fire with God that's developing us. Therefore, we stay in more of a stunted version of growth of one year, just 10 years in a row. The second word is after God gives us direction in our life to be thankful for what he's doing in our life. Thankfulness, thankfulness. I know in America we all give thanks one time a year, and that's around November, and we say Thanksgiving, eat turkey, and everybody high-fives and takes a nap. But I'm talking about on a regular basis, possibly, some of you are wondering what I do in quiet time in the morning. Just just every morning, I, I challenge you. Because I did this, and and I thought, I'm going to write down three things that I'm thankful for every morning. And it became a habit, you know, drink my coffee, and before the first cup, i got to have three things I'm thankful for. If you're not careful, after about a week and a half, you begin to repeat yourself. Until you go, "Uh uh-oh, what else am I thankful for? And then you begin to see bigger and better things than you've ever thought how God is blessing you. Let me me give you an example. Sometimes we think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, thank you for four tires on my truck (laughs) until two of them goes out and it's $800. Now, John Miller, God, I don't want to pay $800 for tires on my truck. Or I can do this. Thank you, God, for the $800 that I had in the savings that I can pay that. Do you see how that works? Because I can, thank you for my wife, Gwen. Thank you for my children, Luke, Heath, Mark, and Brooke. Thank you for their wives. And now thank you for the church. And then thank you for Gwen, my wife. And (laughs) Thankfulness, obedience and thankfulness. Okay. Developing a word. Now, let me show you how listening to the voice of God, and when God tells us something, it's up to us to make a choice. This is a story that's called the 10 lepers, how they come to Jesus. 
Some of you have heard this story mentioned in Luke. Let me see this in verse 11. It says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. I want you to kind of get this picture because he's on the border between Israel and Samaria. Samaria, bad. Bad people. Israel, good people. God's people. That's the prejudice to this day. Verse 12 says, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. Now they have leprosy. They're probably part of a leper colony, which they all lived together and probably had to uh, have benevolence put on them for them to eat because they couldn't really work. They were sick and also they were outcasts. They couldn't get close to other people. Verse 13 says, and they called out in a loud voice because they're at a distance. Jesus! Over here, master, have pity on us. Now, when he saw them, he said, watch this. I've missed this, but I I feel like this revelation is so important. It says, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. And a lot of people already think, I heard that before I know what he's going to, just hold on. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So he's part of what culture would say the bad people. He's on the wrong side of the border. Jesus asked, were not all the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Again, he was thankful, that's thankfulness. But I want you to see this, what I just, what I, I I guess personal revelation that I want to share with you on this is the first mention in the Bible of um, what I see is the first mention of somebody getting healed with leprosy. Remember, there is no cure for lepers. They're going to die. You have leprosy. That declaration is saying, you're going to die. How do they know? Because everybody with leprosy died early of a torment. I don't want to go into too much extreme, but the extremities were the first parts to fall off. Noses, ears, fingers. Ah, terrible. But the first episode in the Bible that we see is in Luke chapter 5. Later, we just read in Luke of the ten lepers. But in Luke chapter 5, it says this, that there was a man that had leprosy, and he says, Lord, if you're willing, just one guy, he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean as well. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleaned. And immediately the leprosy left him. Totally different technique. Now, this is conjecture on John Miller's part. But I want you to see this. When this first episode of somebody getting healed of leprosy, could it be possible that the word got out, let's call him Jimmy. Jimmy got healed of leprosy. A miracle took place. The word spreads throughout all Israel and Samaria, all the world at that time, that probably, you know, how news spreads. And what happens if they say, well, how did it happen? Jesus touched him. Jesus touched him? He had leprosy. You mean he touched him? He was unclean. What do you? Yeah, this is how he did it. He touched him and said, I am willing you be clean. 
Boom, immediately he was cleansed. He was clean. He wasn't going to die. Rejoice, rejoice. So then you got 10 guys that hear the story and they're going to come to Jesus. Jesus, have pity on We're ready to be touched. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, it's in the obedience of going that they're cleansed. Now, now this is hard for some of us especially the guy on the platform right now. Because I like systems. I like formulas. And the voice of God, Jesus, says, I'm going to do it different this time. Everybody follow me? Some of you are going, I already don't like this series. Can you be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit when he says to do something different than your mentor said to do or that your parents said to do? Example, Moses crossing the Red Sea raises his staff. Boom, the Red Sea parts. Joshua could have gotten to the Red Sea and goes, I got this, Jesus, God, I've already seen it before. <laughs> Nothing. See, on this occasion, it's at the flood stage, the Jordan River. Now, after 40 years, they're going to go into the promised land. Now, here's what's different. It's at flood stage. We don't know about the Red Sea, but the Jordan River is at flood stage. That means it's swelled way out beside, beyond its borders. Isn't that just like God? Just like a few weeks ago, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king gets mad and he... Hot, you know, he heats up the furnace seven times greater. Oh, it's at flood stage. And God says, I want you to do something different. We're going to cross the Jordan River by the priest, you know, those guys down there. I want them to raise the Ark of the Covenant up on their shoulders and walk out. When their feet get in the water, I'm going to do something. I'm sorry, God. That's not how we work here. What if Joshua would have said that? I got this nice little staff, not as good as Moses, but it's special to me, and I want to do it this way. Okay, we're processing, we're processing in your life. But as soon as they stepped into the Jordan River, the priest, the Bible says that it didn't part, but the water stopped some ways up at a city called Adam. Upstream. So all the water ran down just like it runs out of your hose in your backyard. It, it's so they could walk over. It's totally different. Now let me go a little bit step further. That Let's get into kind of a spiritual thing. And, and we've all been there where we're praying for somebody. So in, in uh, Acts chapter 5, there's a story that it says that the way that people were being healed was the apostle Paul, they, he would have like napkins or some people say handkerchiefs. I don't know where we get the word handkerchief. Anyway, that's another story. But take cloth that was on his body and actually send it or give it to people that needed to be healed and they placed it on their body healed. Come on now. God doesn't do it that way. It's in the Bible. Acts chapter 5. Now, 
I know some of you because I know me. And if somebody gave you a napkin or a hanky or a (laughs) handkerchief and said, we prayed for it, you'd be prayed for you in your healing, you'd be like, I don't know who did what with that thing, but it ain't coming close to me. But if the Holy Spirit said, that's the way I'm going to use it, are you willing? But here's what's wild. That, that was, let, let me show you this. This is what I was reading and it came to be. That was in Acts chapter 19. But earlier in Acts chapter 5, earlier in the Acts of the apostles, the disciples, as they're going into the world, I want you to see this. In Acts chapter 5, earlier, Peter, they said, people would bring people out on stretchers in the street because they felt like Peter was going to come by the street and his shadow would just fall on them and they would be healed. But it says all were healed. So now let's go a few chapters to 19 where I just said about the handkerchief and you go, I'd really rather do the shadow thing than the handkerchief. Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit in your life moving in a way that kind of freaks you out? Because it's not common to you. Can, can Can we stretch a little bit our belief system in believing that if God can do anything, He can work through anything? Now we'd say, Pastor, isn't there balance? Of course there's balance. But some of us are way out of balance saying, God, the only way you're going to work is this way. Just be careful. Because you are limiting God in what he can do in your life. Now, now stick with me because we're going somewhere that we're going to use that principle. Now Jesus sends out his students. Really, they've been in school. He sends them out, and in Matthew 10, it says, he tells them, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, <laughs> cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you have received and freely you get, freely give. Now watch this. Does anybody here think that that's little stuff that a student that just learned it could go do? What? What? Seriously? Did you just tell me as a disciple? Because we know that Jesus was on the earth for three years. So how long was this that he had been teaching them? I'm not sure. I didn't look it up. But let's say it's all three years right before he leaves. Three years. Is that enough for you to be in the church, enough to hear the word of God, hear God's working in your hand? And, And someone say, I want you to go now heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Ouch. Again, I want a little bit of self-examination. Don't go so far that I'm judging you that you're no good if you haven't done it to this point, okay? I, I just want you to see God moves in ways that sometimes is outside of our comfort zone. Amen? There was no amen before I asked for one amen. Okay, so let's keep going. In John chapter 16, Jesus comes and he's going to give them a truth that is really for them but for us. And in my understanding, more for us. Because he talks about the Holy Spirit. 
Again, the same voice of God was Jesus when he was on earth and he's speaking to his disciples and teaching and healing and casting out demons. And, and he gets to the place where he's telling his disciples something that will ripple through even our generation. And it says this. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear to hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth, full and complete truth. Now, now, understand this. Full and complete truth. Sometimes we think of it as kind of scary if we're going to do something out of our comfort zone, even if it is truth. For he will speak of his own, he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me, because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, because of this I said that he, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and will reveal it to you. You mean to tell me, Pastor John, that the Holy Spirit has access to everything that God knows? And he's willing to reveal it to me? Wow, that's a game changer right there. Because here's what I know, that in the middle of our busy lives, can I tell you this, that I'm not condemning you being busy. But I'm telling you, if that's a state of mind that we're so busy that when things come into our life that we don't see because we're so busy, watch. Because it can be a challenge to think straight and really see matters for what they are, really, really what they are. And and we get to the place where we go, what is is fact and what is fiction? What is reality? What is deception? I mean, during COVID, I'm not downplaying any of that. That was something that nobody had experienced before, maybe in history. One, because we had TV, and you could see all the things that were happening. I lost one of my best friends because right after I received COVID, I had been with him the day before, and he said, I know that you knew you had COVID and you came to be with me so that I could catch it too. And I said, what? We were in a stage in our country that all we could think of is, if I get COVID, I'm going to die. Now, hear me. If we are hearing the Holy Spirit in the times that we go through difficulties and the times that we're, 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 we're walking in fear, here's what the Holy Spirit can come and assure us. Listen, assure us, God's still on the throne. And let me tell you, it's sometimes hard to even, okay, God, I'll be in agreement. But as long as you continue to hear the Holy Spirit confirm that, I'm still on the throne. I've got things to get. I am not surprised by COVID. Last week I talked about this and I talked about sometimes our belief system can be so wrong and we don't see it. There's a deception. 
You remember I said a bat and a ball cost a dollar ten cents. The bat cost a dollar more. How much does the ball cost? And everybody initially probably said, 10 cents. I said, 10 cents. I did. And I'll tell on me, once I heard the answer, I still kind of argued against the right answer. The right answer is five cents. Because the bat is a dollar more. A dollar five is the bat. And the bowl is five cents to making it a dollar ten together. Now I might have just run somebody for the rest of the sermon. They're going, huh, let me think of that. Not hear anything else. Put that aside. You can come up afterwards. I'll explain it. But sometimes it's just like that that we get so focused on our belief system being right. I know it. Right. Let me tell you, when we're questioning God, am I not seeing the right answer? Am I not not hearing your... Listen, that's when it's most important that we need to go to him because we need insight into our life and say, God, what is happening here in my life? Through the difficulties, when we're believing that he's walking with us, when we're believing that he is building us into a warrior, somebody that will help change the world for his glory. Let me give you another passage of the Bible, and I want this to kind of be the one that you especially remember today. And it's a story of a a father, and he has a sick and dying daughter. So if you're a father, just kind of put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Again, remember that we're leaning on God's word, his understanding to know the mind of Christ to get us through, to strengthen us. It's a story entitled Jairus. And and let me just go ahead and read it because unless he releases his faith, he won't receive what he's coming to do. And unless he's okay with interruptions in his life, he doesn't receive what he's come asking God to do for him. In Luke chapter 8, it is one of the most powered chapters in the Bible. I mean, it has the parable of the sower. It, It Starts out with the parable of the sower. Again, no root, no fruit. Then then it comes down to Jesus in the boat sleeping and the storm comes up, remember, and he is woke up. Jesus, aren't you scared we're going to die? And he gets up and says, where's your faith? Quiet to the storm. Then the next is the demonic man that comes out yelling and, you know, he's cutting himself. Here's what something is some of us do. Again, to remember that the storm might have been trying to keep him, Jesus, from coming to the demonic. But Jesus is on the way. And for some of us, we need to realize there's nothing going to keep our God coming to deliver us. And here's Jesus. He comes on the shore of the glad scenes. The, the demonic comes out. He's been in the tombs. And remember the story that the demon jail, we're a mob, we're a legion. And please let us go into pigs. They go into the pigs. The people of the city come out and go, <laughs> too much change, too quick. Can you leave our area? And Jesus and the disciples go to another part, another story. And this is the story. Verse 40. Jesus returned and a crowd welcomed him for they were expecting him. I want you to remember that. They're expecting Jesus. There's people that have needs. They're they're wanting Jesus. 
But it says this. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came up and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. How old was she? 12. Okay. But listen, now you've got a synagogue leader coming that outranks, they could think, all the other people expecting him. And all of a sudden, Jesus' attention has turned to the, well, what about me? I was expecting him to do something in my life. The man has a daughter that's sick and dying, and she was about 12. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Not only are they expecting Jesus in this area, but they have need. And a woman was there who had been suffering or subject to bleeding for about 12 years. How many years? 12 years. But no one could heal her. Everybody knows she has a need. Do we, come on, can we all be honest? We have needs. So it's important for us to know how to get the need met. Some of us just love talking about the need. What do you want Jesus to do? I don't really know. What about all those needs you just talked about? Okay, okay, I guess that's good. But what would I do if he healed me of all those needs? I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Sorry. Okay, let's go back. No one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. She, she, had, she was suffering. She knew when the bleeding had even stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing at you, but Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power had gone out from me. Now, before we go on, it's pretty amazing, isn't it, that Jesus is almost implying that he had no, he's created a law of faith and believing. And this lady took it to the max and had enough faith to believe by a point of contact that she would be healed. And it seems like Jesus is even surprised. Like he, he couldn't even control the power of leaving him. I just, when I read this, let me just add this, that I, I, I'm amazed at this whole story, but then I'm amazed that there was times when Jesus wanted to heal people in his own home area, remember? But because of their lack of faith, he couldn't heal them? It's important for you to understand. A lot of times, it's up to you. Do you have the faith to say, God, I believe? Hmm. I love this passage because it says that all's pushing in and then it said the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed. She wasn't fearful to this point, but now she's going, uh-oh. She came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of, the, of all the people. She told why she had touched him and now she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came up from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Anybody ever gone through a difficult time that seems so absolute? I have. Your daughter's dead. We know that this is the same thing that happened with Mary and Martha when Lazarus did. If you'd only been here, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I don't need to be here. But see, their belief system was it only works the way that I've seen it. Previous. 
your daughter's dead, he said. Now, now watch this. The Bible puts this in to just kind of prove a point that we, ugh, sometimes we can listen to somebody else easier than we can listen to the Holy Spirit. In this situation, it's the voice of God, Jesus. Because it's a, after this guy or lady says, your daughter is dead, then they add a little bit extra, just kind of, which says, don't bother the teacher anymore. I don't know about you, but if I'm Jairus, I start going, what? And then I start reasoning. Now, let me just say this. When Jesus said, hearing this, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. But as a father, it would be easy for me to go, TikTok lady got in the way. If she wouldn't have been here to interrupt us, we could have been already to the house possibly, and Jesus could have healed her. <laughs> Just my luck. When is it my turn? Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> this is Pentecostal. Hell lost another one. Boy, we're jumping around, but when it gets to, oh, baby, you're stepping on my toes. That's why I wore these long shoes today because if someone, you know, when I step on my own toes, is it way out there? Okay. I want you to see this. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher. He's getting probably very frustrated, if, but if he yields to fear that his daughter's going to stay dead and not believe... He forfeits the healing and the resurrection of a daughter. But, but think about it. What is he saying? What is Jesus saying when he says to us as well as Jairus, fear not. Fear of what? Now I'm going to speak and, and allow the Holy Spirit to be honest with you right now or you be honest with the Holy Spirit. Here's what a lot of people fear. We're too late. If it hadn't been for that, maybe an interruption in your life, maybe you think it's no use now, I'm too old, the situation is too final, and I don't want to bother God anymore about it. Those thoughts have exploded in all of our minds, and here is Jairus, and, and all of a sudden, instead of blaming the woman for her healing, And I'll tell you, it's hard for me to understand that breakthrough can happen in the middle of the interruptions in our life. I, I have a system. I get up, I sit and drink coffee, do my quiet time, I get on my clothes to go jog and walk, then I come back and I eat four egg whites and I shower. Do you have a system in the morning? Maybe you don't even know it. But if there's something that, if Gwen comes in and says, you need to do this and this, I don't know if I've got time. <laughs> Come on, work with me. Is there something that's going on in your life because of some interruption that has come that you've said, no, I didn't get what God had promised me because of that? This, 
this morning, I want you to take this. And this week, as you're walking it out and you're processing and you're thinking about Jairus' daughter and the interruption, and, and, and the story continues that Jesus goes to his house. There's people that are mourning and crying, and, and Jesus is on a mission. And he goes into the girl's room and he tells everybody to get out except Peter, James, and John and the parents. The Bible says that he heals the little girl. She gets up. She stands up. I thought it was interesting. The translation said stand up. She didn't even just sit up. She stood up. And then he says feed her. This morning, some of us need to believe that he's going to resurrect some of the dreams that he's promised us in our life. You're right in the middle of the storm and you're thinking, there, there's, God, I got it. I got to have you now. God says, I can do it even after you think it's too late. And in the middle of that testimony, he's building you into the warrior that he has for you, if you'll allow him. I want to take this next week, and I'll just say what we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. You can't carry an offense and the cross at the same time. One, you have to lay down. So when we talk about being rooted and established in love so that we can bear fruit, that we can go through the times of testing, it's got to start by trusting him and walking in love. Let's pray. Father, you are a wonderful father. And God, I know you know each one of us, and you know what you have placed in our heart. God, the, 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 the dream. God, there, there's people here that are, are patiently waiting. And God, I know that you're working on their behalf. And Father, I, I just, I pray peace as they wait on you. God, there's no interruption that is too unexpected that causes your hand to stop. There is no time frame that we think that only you can work in. God, you're the alpha and the omega. God, you're the alpha and the omega. You're the actual. God, we can't even think about the actual beginning, but God, you're the beginning. And God, we can't, our mind can't think of the end. But God, you're both the beginning and the end. And from your perspective, God, we trust that you have the very best in, in store for us, your children. And we will walk by faith and not by sight or emotions because your word is our foundation. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. What a wonderful day today and in a, in a minute you're going to be released into the mission field, so to speak. And, and you'll never know who you're going to meet if you'll just walk in love. And if you'll just smile, you'll receive favor. You're, you're a child of God, and I believe the favor of God is on us. But let me encourage you to do one action step this week as you go. Smile. Well, Pastor, I don't really smile. Smile! Because you can say when they say, why are you smiling? I say, I always ask myself, who's my daddy? God the Father is my daddy and he's given me blessings.
blessings in my life enough that when I go up to the counter at Babylon Coffee and I see two girls that are a little crazy and I go, how are you? And they go, what? Now you see these two girls over here. They, they minister at that coffee shop when they used to work there. I took one of them already for Axiom Coffee. So she works down there at Axiom. I hear her going, it's good to see you. Do you know them? Well, I remember them. Just smile. Change the world. Just, I can't do a lot. I can't pray for the, You will pray for the sick and you will do this. But you can start by smiling. Let me give you a little, uh, uh, just quick. Let me give you a little hint. That'll be kind of a, well, let me just put it this way. You look so much prettier and handsome when you smile. Some of us need to smile all the time. Come on. (laughs) Here's what I'll do sometimes. I'll see somebody walking down Walmart. And I'll lock eyes like I'm locking with Betty. And then I'll (laughs) put the smile on them. And they'll be like this. They they don't even smile, but they can't smile. I mean, they they almost choose not to. Now, would I ever do that in high school? No, because those kids would think I'm crazy. My my peers would think, what are you smiling at, goopball? But the older I get, the more I realized that those kids in high school didn't know anything. And most of them now, through Facebook or something, I'm a believer and I just appreciate all that you did in high school, John. And I <coughs> wish you would have said that in high school. I wouldn't have felt like. <laughs> so this week, here's your homework. Process the sermon and wherever you go, a couple times. Put a smile on your face. Just smile a little bit. Can you do that? God be with us as we leave the chapel. Amen. Go get them. See you at the senior lunch at Flips. <laughs>